Okay, so this is episode number 50, 50 episodes in of the Burning Life podcast, and this is the Burning Life show. So today I want to welcome the team. It's cool, the who, the who crowd on the side here. I want to welcome the team. We've got uh, Tyron on my left, Calvin on my right. Chris is behind on production, saying hello from the behind. You can just imagine, you can see him with a smiling face behind his mask. Also got blessing, and also thanks Jenny for coming down and giving us some support. It's really cool. You're here for Jenny a little bit just now. So today you might, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see the view is amazing. We're recording from the stunning Lazy Moose restaurant in Kumas. This is right in the heart of the Sapphire Coast birding area, and it's a great place to grab a meal after doing some birding. And as always, the Birding Life is proud to be associated with the, with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes as well as the Bird Lasser bird logging app. Spot, plot, play a part, download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. So guys, how cool is it being able to be associated with these two great brands? Yeah, look, I mean, first and foremost, Adam, um, I know that uh, you, you've had a fairly long relationship with Andrew Russell um, from, um, from Wilo Distributors, um, which, uh, which are stockers of, obviously, Swarovski, like you mentioned, but also... Uh, the vortex um vortex brand and all i can say is that when we when we set out to to find partners with um with the birding life we wanted to make sure that we would we would partner with not only brands that were were um you know related to birding obviously but also had the same sort of idea and 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 sort of ethics and and sort of drive as us and and i think that that's the the most important thing and, and all I can say is that partnering with, with Wilder Distributors um, has far exceeded that expectation. Um, Andrew's gone out his way on every single occasion to, to help us out, to provide us with, uh, with, with, with items to review. I mean, we've given away fantastic prizes like those Nikon, um, uh, sorry, those Vortex uh, Diamondback uh, bins not so long ago to a lucky winner on our, on our Christmas challenge. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if you're able to, um, we, we would love, you know, the way that you can support the birding life is by supporting those who support us. Um, so if you're considering your next pair of bins or a spotting scope, think about a Vortex pair or a Swarovski pair. And um, yeah, that's, uh, we, we can't say enough about how thankful we, we are about, about those uh, supplies. I must say, um, I went birding yesterday afternoon. The light wasn't great. And I took one of my old pair of bins because um, it's a bit safer. So I will put my old pair of bins on and took them out when birding. The light wasn't great, like I said. And I had to look at a couple of birds. And straight away, it was like, oh, my word. You cannot compare my old pair to the Swarovski. And, you know, for those who are out there who, who have the means to get a, a decent pair of bins, you know, I always say to people, get the best pair of binoculars you can. And I really yesterday saw the the difference that it makes using a quality pair of binoculars so really that's my encouragement you know if you can afford them check them out um i think you'd be very very surprised and you'd see the value that they they would actually add to your birding and then also um hank Nell and the bird lasser team you know hank Nell has been a friend of mine i've got to know him before we got the bird life podcast going and he was one of the first supporters of the podcast um and we hank we just really appreciate the support we are passionate about the bird um lasser app we use it almost daily when we go out birding it's quite a funny story <laughs> my phone broke and i didn't do birding i think for two days because i didn't have the bird lasser app and it's quite funny it was like the first app i put on my phone was the bird Lass- the, the bird lasser app so yeah it's a really great app and we're also honored to be working with um outliers coffee roasters who are the sponsors of our monthly birding life 
show. Um, this is good coffee with a great cause. Every bag of coffee that you buy will not only give you give your caffeine fix, but also allows you to make a valuable contribution to conservation. So I want to say thank you to John Kinghorn and to John Kinghorn Jr. for the great mugs. And I know Jenny's here today. She's coming to support us and just say thanks. We're going to hook her up with a bag of Outliers coffee and I know she's going to be super impressed. So thanks, Jenny. Um, and just want to say thanks to John and the team. We really appreciate it. So I know the coffee is the coffee is great. Oh, yeah, and the, the cool mugs. How cool are these mugs? Outliers Coffee and Burn Off just shows the partnership we're in. Sure, we'll have these available for us if you want to buy them. And if you do want to get caps in that, we are in the process of getting caps. So just let us know and we will we will let you know when we got that. So let's look back at the last month's birding. Um, Calvin, I think you've got the shortest report. So let's start with you. Yeah, um, I think I alluded in the last uh, birding live show, Adam, is that uh, I've taken up full-time work again. So... Unfortunately, that's mean that that's meant a lot less birding. So, so, so sort of, you know, focusing on on sort of my lockdown patches, which would be my local patches um, in and around my house, actually, let alone my area. Just working those areas, and you know, sort of notable reports is that there's still uh, European honey buzzard around um, in and around the Belito area, but also. I'm starting to see how the migrants are starting to filter away. You know, the yellow bull kites aren't as prevalent as they were. Um, Lesser striped swallows are are, are are still around, and I find that they're actually, um, you know, they're, they're actually congregating a lot more than I they would normally. So. so you're finding in sort even, of even, even the yeah. swallows I've seen a lot. They seem to be like bigger. They seem to be like bigger flocks. Bigger flocks, yeah. So I mean, where's where's it's usual to see just a pair of lesser striped swallows. Now you're seeing sort of between eight and ten at any given time. I don't know if that sort of behavior that they that, that they do just before it's time to migrate. Obviously, they breed, so you know there's going to be a lot of uh, juveniles around. But um, yeah, unfortunately, no no real uh, exciting birds, or I haven't been chasing any any rarities of late. So hoping that'll improve now in March. But um, we are going into traditionally a quieter time of birding now as well. I think when you're busy, you put the rare birds report on silent because it's like every time there's a rare bird, your heart just breaks. It's like oh my word, if we just get in the con, get out there. So. And that so, happened this week for sure. Yeah, mega. And guys saying, oh, are you going up for the bird? Like, no, I don't have the time for that, unfortunately. Before I go to Tyron, I had awesome, the same as Calvin, I've been a lot of local lockdown birding, uh, not lockdown birding, but birding in my local area. Um, so we got so used to that term, lockdown. And um, getting, to, getting to see some nice birds. And I think it's quite, it's a different experience because you, you, you're not chasing somebody else's report. You're discovering stuff for yourself. And a lot of times it's just seeing the normal stuff but it's it's also sometimes challenging yourself to see the normal things in a different way because you can you can sometimes get so familiar with the the amazing birds that you get to see on a, on a daily basis and you know it's that and then I had a great opportunity to do a pelagic with rock jumper birding tours last week Saturday um, with Dave Hottenot and the team and it was absolutely amazing um you know I, I haven't done a pelagic with another company I've did one with um, Birdlife um, Portland Cell we went out and did a pelagic with them. But I haven't had the opportunity to pledge it with one of the other birding companies. But I was so impressed with the service from Rock Jumper. Um, they send you a message beforehand with all the details. I knew exactly what I needed. I knew where I needed to be. Um, when we got into the boat, you know, they did all this, the protocol stuff, um, the COVID protocol stuff, got into the boat. And, you know, when we were going out, what I was so impressed with was I, I hadn't had the chance to do preparation for, the, for this pelagic. I, I was kind of, I knew about it at the last minute. And Dave just, you know, spent five, five or so minutes as the boat was going and just sharing birds we could see and just, just preparing us for the trip. And I really thought that it was, it was so professional. And, you know, throughout the trip, I mean, I've never, I've never done a, a, 
anything with Dave. But let me say he was so professional. His engagement with the guests was great. And it was quite a calm down at sea, which is a great day for maybe going out to sea, but it's not great for pelagic birding. So there was almost, the wind was non-existent. And when we were going out, the good thing is there was um, three fishing trawlers. The first fishing trawler, we saw absolutely nothing. I think Dave says one of the first times he's actually seen no birds at a fishing trawler. The first bird we got to see the other day was actually a Cory Shearwater, which was a lifer for me. It was really great. And we saw quite a few of them throughout the day. Um, the next bird was a European Storm Petrel. And we only much later on saw um, Indian yellow-nosed albatrosses. It was quite interesting that they were actually only, only much later in the day. And they, a lot of them were on the water because the wind wasn't up. But it was a great day. Another laugh I, I managed to add was the flesh-footed shearwater. So it was a great day of birding. Were there were they watching petrels around? They were watching petrels, yeah. They were around. But again, it, was, it took a long time to see them. We were quite surprised. He said, normally you see them quite early on, quite early on where they were quite, it took a long time to see them. And yeah, it was a great day. Of, a great day, and I think for those who've never done a pelagic, I really encourage you to do a pelagic. It's a different experience. I know Tyron's a bit scared of them, <laughs> but it's a great experience. You know, to see albatrosses. I think you know it's the Indian yellownose albatrosses. You know, you see them. It's one of the most common birds on the on the pelagics. But you know, to see a bird with that wingspan up close, it's it's absolutely absolutely spectacular. We've got a review coming on of the trip so you can go read it next couple of days that'll go up it's probably it's probably worth mentioning as well that that dave hodnot at at present is recognized as the top birder in africa having seen the most species so i mean apart from apart from being a a sort of a pelagic specialist um you know you could probably spend hours talking about just the the adventures that he's had in africa and and all the birds that he's seen and and how he's had to work and um interesting enough I, i i don't know his exact number he could probably tell you but it's, you know, for, for Africa, we think about the diversity that we get in Africa. I think the number's only sort of in the, in the sort of 2,100s, around about there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you, you know, we, we, don't, uh, we, we don't know how many, I don't know how many species there are in Africa, but I thought that there would actually be a lot more, to be honest, because, I mean, South Africa having, on average, I mean, what, 870 uh, that, that are reliable, it just shows you not only the diversity of South Africa, but also, what, you know, what the rest of Africa holds. Anyway, that's just an aside. Yeah, but it was the, I think it was amazing for me. It was not just, you, you're right you said, you know, I, there's a lot of tour companies out there, but for me to have the opportunity to go out with a guy of that caliber, that was just added to the experience, and I think it's great. So if you're looking to do a pelagic, there are companies that do pelagics down in the Cape and also in um, KZN. I know Rock Jumper still have a lot of pelagics going out this year, and it's well worth doing a booking. So, Tyron, I know you did a trip down to the Eastern Cape. Yes, I went to the Mountain Zebra National Park, which is the first time I've been there. It's actually an amazing place, beautiful vistas. But the one thing that really uh, like touched me was the actual conservation success of the place. We all know about Shishlui Imphalosi, what they did for the white rhino. Well, what they did for the white rhino, the Mountain Zebra National Park has done for the Cape Mountain Zebra. They, they've saved the species from the brink of extinction. Um, it's quite interesting, the history of the park. It started out as a much smaller park than it is now. I think with less than 10 Cape Mountain zebra. And I think about after 10, 15 years, it was considered a disaster. There was only a couple of males left. But then some neighboring farmers came, donated some females to the park. And ever since then, it's grown from strength to strength. In 2016, they did a census. There was over 1,000 Cape Mountain zebra in the park. And they've also seeded the populations of, of Cape Mountain zebra and lots of other parks in the Western Cape now. 
So it's actually an amazing conservation success story. But getting to the birding now, of course, I think I got more than 20 lifers there, which is quite nice. Lots of larks, uh, raptors. I think I got about three raptor, four raptor lifers maybe. Uh, booted eagle, endangered black harriers. I first, I was driving with my wife and kid and I, I saw a harrier. It just came out of nowhere, flew over me. Camera was on totally the wrong settings. I just quickly, you know, I didn't have time to change my camera settings. So I just pointed the thing out. It took some photos and I got an almost black photo. But I thought, yeah, I think this is a black area. And then I looked in my book and I, it's maybe a juvenile one. But I was a bit cross that I didn't get a good photo. But anyway, luckily the next day I saw a beautiful adult flying and I got some photos. And I also saw adults on the ground. So that was probably one of my best birding experiences there. How far, what is their range? I mean, is that quite north for their range? I don't, it's quite far inland. Apparently, I was reading actually on Wikipedia that they actually don't do well inland and in mountainous areas. There's an east-to-west migration. In, in summer, they come from mainly the southwestern Cape, uh, the Fainbush regions there, and they go more inland. I mean, they even come to Sarnia Pass, obviously. Okay, so we do get them in KZN as well. Yeah, I think that's probably the easternmost part of the range is in Sarnia Pass. Well, just after this, Jenny will give you a bit more insight. She's, she's, she's putting her hand up there. So when she, you're going to get it just after the slot, if she's going to come on, she can give you a bit more insight. Jenny is like, she's like a walking Roberts field guide. And sorry, it's Jenny Norman, folks, who, who, who can't see on the, on, the, on, the, on the camera. Yeah, but it's quite interesting to read about the, how they actually prefer the coastal Feinbost or Nostrafelt areas. And they've done studies and the breeding success in the mountains and further inland is a lot lower their prey, they've got a lot less prey opportunities. Uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite sad though, because there's less than a thousand of them left in the world. But also, yeah, getting back to the Mountain Zebra National Park, the other amazing thing to do there, which is one of my favorite things, is night drives. Because you get to see the wonderful nocturnal animals that you don't get to see, you know, normally, and especially being a drier habitat there, you get animals that I'm not familiar with. For example, I've got art folk there. I've never seen before. I've got almost every night drive, you've got about an 80% chance of seeing Aardvark. People go, especially to Mountains Zebra National Park, to see Aardvark. And then we saw other wonderful things, uh, porcupine. I only saw a blur of an Aardvark, unfortunately, which is what I was really wanting to see. Um, yeah, but it's just... Uh, it's, so, it's so funny when you talk about nocturnals because, you know, for, for birders generally, we, we don't go to game reserves for... for for the game, I mean, uh, you know, in your case with the mountain, uh, the, the, the mountain zebra, that's obviously quite a unique animal. But I always find a night drive or looking for nocturnal mammals is so similar to birding because it doesn't feel like that they're introduced in any way, and that it's it you get that same sort of thrill and that sort of laugher thrill when you see, as you say, like an odd fox or an odd wolf, which is which is just so hard to see in general. So you know, it's it's the it's the most similar thing to birding for me. I find. Can I just can I just say, Tyrone, just when you're talking about that now, I think for a lot of overseas listeners, you know, when they come to South Africa, the first thing is, oh, we want to go to Kruger National Park or those kinds of things. I think sometimes, like Mount, Mount, uh, the Mount Zebra National Park might be a, and if you're doing an itinerary, it might be a place to actually to look at going, not just for the birds, but like you're saying, there's there's the mammal species out of there are just, and I think it's maybe a little bit underrated in terms of that. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't even get to see everything the way. My family did night drives, just me and my wife had to take turns, because one of us does night drive, one of us looks after Kerry. So the first night drive my wife went on, and she was actually lucky. She got two brown hyena sightings and 
striped polecats and a baby striped polecat. So I was a bit jealous. <laughs> and then Tyron, also you were you got to use the Canon um, binoculars. Uh, you know, something which is interesting was, and I'll be very honest, I've never ever gone birding and seen a birder using Canon um, binoculars. So how did you find them? And how do you think that these, these binoculars are for, 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 for birding? I don't know if you can just show them to the camera and just tell us a little bit about them. And Yes, I used these for the eight days over there. And they're actually very good. I mean, first of all, without the image stabilization, the optics are very, very clear, um, sharp, good contrast, bright. But then with the image stabilization, I mean, it's absolutely amazing how it works. There's two modes. The one is recommended for for birds in flight, which actually doesn't doesn't use the powered uh, image stabilization. And then there's the powered image stabilization, which you use to spot birds far in the distance that are stationary. And it works absolutely amazing how it, how it corrects for your movement and keeps keeps the the image in, in focus and, and still. So I definitely recommend it, especially on windy days when you're battling to hold hold the binoculars still. I mean, I did a walk at the camp there, and I'm quite unfit. So when I was at the top, I was huffing and puffing and shaking, and there was a bit of wind. But turn on the image stabilization, and I could get away with it basically. And they're not they're not that badly priced. I mean, how much? I, I don't know what the retail on them is. They but they're not. Badly the retail's not bad. around eighteen thousand. Yeah, which is not bad for a good pair of bins. Well, they they're quality so. So yeah, I know Calvin's going to be doing a, a video of that uh, quite soon also. So yeah, we, we'll talk about some other stuff we got. But what I want to do now is we got, we like Calvin, correct, you got Jenny Norman here. And I'm going to head off. And um, we're going to ask Jenny, she, um, Calvin's going to have a chat to her just about the, the rare bird, the rare bird um, report, how to re report rare birds and everything in, in South Africa. So I'm going to hand over to you, Calvin. Okay, thanks, Adam. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm joined with uh, Jenny Norman, and um, you may or may not remember, but you were actually quite influential in my early birding career. When I was still living in Durban, I had recently joined uh, BirdLife Port Natal, which I know we, we speak about quite a lot on this, uh, on this channel. And um, I think Leslie Frescura was the, the, the chairman at the time. And I rem remember meeting yourself, um, Eleanor, and, um, and Sandy at, uh, at Berman Bush. And um, I'll never forget, and this is, the, this is an aside to what we're really going to talk about, but I'll never forget walking around, and almost every single garden bird for me at the time was a lifer. And um, one of the things you, 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 you were so chuffed with was you said that you, you wish that, you know, every time that you went out birding, you saw as many lifers as I saw on that day. So um, yeah. I, I remember how influential you were, and, um, and obviously I just want to thank you for that and, and the knowledge that you impart. And that's exactly why I, I thought we, it, would be, it would be great to chat to you very briefly about you know, something that's very close to your heart, and not only record keeping, because I know that that's been part of your job, but also that you are a huge custodian of the rare, uh, rare bird sort of uh, records and, and, um, um, and reports, in, not only in KZN, uh, or, or does it extend beyond KZN? No, it's just KZN. Okay, okay. Uh, National have their own recording system. So I wonder if you could just maybe just tell us a little bit about not only the importance of, of pulling out rarity reports and, and how we should go about it, you know, what, what that means to you and, and the value it adds to the birding community. Uh, okay, um, look, a lot of people report rarities, but they can get lost in the archives because there's no formal record of it. Filling in a rarity form 
and having it assessed by the committee, which I'll come to with the, how it's made up, actually keeps it as a formal record and is kept in the archives and is accessible in future. To, like when people ask who's seen, you know, how many records have been seen, when Trevor sort of states, oh, this is only the 14th time in South Africa, he's been to the places where records are kept. A uh, person who does keep them for a lot of the historical ones in KZN is Digby Cyrus, and he because he was involved with the Natal Bird Atlas back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, uh, long before South Africa Bird Atlas started. So, yeah, it was a forerunner there. Uh, the committee is made up of one member of if or one representative how can i say it? uh yeah one representative actually chosen by each uh bird life club in kzn so bird life port little will have one member bird life suzuki will have a member bird life trojans and so on and there's seven uh, affiliated clubs for bird life in kzn so there's seven members of the committee and every record that comes and gets circulated or comes through me and I circulate to the committee and they all assess it and say yay or nay and I would say 90% of the records are usually accepted the ones that aren't accepted is when people just said oh it is a so-and-so I know this bird they haven't given a description you've got to describe it on the rarity form as if the person doesn't have any idea what you're talking about and you have to be able to describe it so that someone reading the report can work out what the bird is. A common question that actually seems to come up more so than I would, I would think, but this is probably more relevant to, to newer birders. A lot of people don't necessarily know what a, what a, what a rare bird is, uh, certainly in KZN, but, but probably generally throughout South Africa. So what would your advice be to someone like that when... Um, they're outbirding and they're not sure whether or not to report something. Okay, there, there is a list on the BirdLife South Africa webpage of the rarities for each province, so you can always look up there. Yeah. Also look at distribution maps in your field guide. If there's just a couple of dots somewhere, you know it's not a normal sighting. You know, if the whole thing is coloured and solid, you know it's a common bird. Yeah, so that's a brief guideline to go by. So, so in other words, if you're not sure, rather report it than don't report it. Yes. Yeah, we can always go back and say, thank you, it's a nice out-of-range species, but it's not actually a KZN rarity. But then at least it still gets reported because the honorary recorder of Steve Davis will then still put it into the KZN News, our little magazine, which is from all the clubs. Okay, and then maybe just anecdotally, and, and I think it might be interesting for some of the listeners, maybe if you can give us an example of, of, of a bird that's really uh, surprised you with how its range has expanded in, in KwaZulu-Natal, and then maybe if you can also tell us about a, um, quite an interesting rarity that, that you might have found that, um, you know, that's, that, that's worth mentioning. Okay, um, out of range expansion, okay, I, I've been birding for 38 plus years now, um, in those days, you never ever heard about things like a red billed firefinch until 
way north of Durban. Um, during lockdown, I actually had one in my garden on a regular basis for about three months in Westville. Yeah, that has expanded, it's found right down towards Port Edward now, which is a huge expansion of the range. I'm not sure about into Eastern Cape, I'm sure it's starting there too. E even the Quartier Barbet, you used to have to go to Intanzini to see that. Now you just look at gardens in Westville, Stainbank Nature Reserve, wherever, they're all over the place. So, yeah, there are some that have definitely expanded. There are also some that have retracted. Uh, yeah, nowadays, everyone goes, ooh, ah, over seeing a flamingo in the Durban Bay, where years ago, they used to be quite common in the bay. Yeah, you used to often see that. Never a huge numbers, but you'd see little pink spots and yeah, you know, that sort of thing. And um, and and sort of some of your most notable rarities that you've seen in KZN. Well, I think the most fun one I had was a city at the heart of Bayhead in the days where you used to be able to see the uh, mud flats from the heart, and we, we used to get a lot of turns and gulls there. I was sitting there with a friend, scanning through, and suddenly there's a gull with the black head. And we, yeah, we didn't state what it was until we had a good look, but it was a black-headed girl. And I phoned a few people. This is now like four o'clock, four thirty in the afternoon. Sun was starting to set. It's amazing how quickly some people arrived there before yeah dark. And this was in the days before social media, so it was just a couple of phone calls, and they they made a couple of phone calls, and we ended up with about a dozen people, which was quite fun. And that's has that been the only record of it? No, there have been other records. Um, they also have Franklin's occasionally, mm -hmm. yeah. But they they as you know they're very sporadic, and that yeah. If someone from England was praying, like he had a girl, a rarity because they had thousands yes, there. Yes. Certainly is a rarity here. Oh, fantastic, Jenny, and thanks so much for giving us uh, your insights into that because. Again, I know rarity reports and and the actual means of reporting it can be a bit of a bugbear for some birders, but we just want to put out the message there that it is value adding to not only the community but for for record keeping going forward. And then we can also find out about range expansions or contractions, and that's the whole point of doing it. Um, obviously, Bird Lasso is a fantastic resource for it, but it is important to complete your rarity forms and to submit them in so that people like Jenny and the committees can actually. Um, ratify those re records and, and, and um, put them together. Okay, let me just say, I, I don't do the ratification, I'm just the secretary for the rarities committee, so I just make sure it gets to the committee and collate the information. And but you uh, certainly are a champion for the reporting. Though. Thank you. <laughs> so for this last part of the show, we're going to have a chat with Tyron and Blessing all about the Sapphire Coast birding route, but I just want to apologize for the poor sound quality in this section of the episode. What happened was as we started recording it, the wind started blowing and we, we had absolutely no control. So we just want to apologize, but I think the material is great and we are looking forward to you hearing it. So before we chat about where we're going to go at the end of the show, I just want to chat about a couple of resources that we managed to get. Um, and if you have got any birding related resources you'd like us to review and have a look at, um, just drop us an email info at the birdinglife.com and we will we'd love to review different books so a couple of books that have come across our desk of the last month 
Um, Southern African LBJs made simple by Doug Newman and Gordon King. Doug Newman was actually on the show last week. It's already, it's, it's a simplified approach to LBJ identification. Basically, it just gives the, the basics. So I don't know if you want to show it there for the Instagram live people. You can see how it looks inside. Very simple. Um, what's quite cool about the book also is that it uh, has the, you can just scan the barcodes. Great book. Um, if you're a newer birder and you want to nail LBJs, uh, it's a great book to get your hands on. And then the book that everybody wants, I know Jenny has like really, she's been trying to like claim this book for the last hour or so, is All the World, All the Birds of the World by Lynx Publishers. This is an amazing, amazing book. Every bird in the world is in here. Um, we'll be doing a review of this quite soon. But let me just say on at first thing, it's an amazing book. It's uh, not, it's not cheap. But it's a great investment. If you are serious about having a great good birding library, this book, you need to get this book. So that's two resources. And just one book I want to chat about quickly, Blessing. You, Blessing has been using the birds of KwaZulu-Natal and their Zulu names. Um, so how are you finding the book? Tell us about this book from uh, the perspective of a Zulu man. Oh, thank you very much uh, once again for having me on, on the show. Um, yeah, no, uh, it's a very good book. Uh, I must admit, uh, maybe you would notice that uh, on my previous post, um, I haven't been using Zulu names. But since I've had uh, an opportunity to have this book, then now I'm starting to use um, Zulu names on my uh, post. The reason why I was not using Zulu names uh, or Isi Zulu names was because you would find that these uh, names are confusing because they will differ from area to area. But um, what this book has managed to sort out is that confusion. Because now we, we've got names that we will use. It doesn't matter if you're in Zululand, you're in the South Coast, you're in the Midlands. Because what, uh, when they were doing this book, they managed to get people from, different, from these different areas and then put them in one room and uh, they would say, okay, Let's, let's look at this bird and come up with the name. So the names that are in this book are the names that are going to be used, you know, by a person who is in the South Coast, a person who is in Zululand, or a person who is in the Midlands. So that is what the book has managed to, 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 to sort out. And the one thing we were chatting about before, and I want to ask you what your thoughts on this are, it's, it's a Zulu bird book, or it's, it's marketed as a Zulu bird book, so it's got the Zulu names, it's got plates in the book and that kind of thing. But, but the write-up is in English. How do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts as uh, a Zulu person? Do you think it still has value, the fact that it's Zulu, the Zulu name with English writing? Or do you think it should have all been a Zulu book? What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I honestly uh, think, you know, we would need to have the English version and also the Isizulu version, because there are some people who cannot read Isizulu. But at the same time, you know, for uh, a Zulu birder, uh, it would be much easier if it is written in Isizulu. So we need, uh, uh, my perception would be, we need both uh, versions, Isizulu and English. So yeah, just, we just want to thank Jakarta Media. This is an opportunity to say they've actually come on board and they've said to celebrate the Birding House 50th episode, we are going to be having a giveaway um, from Jakarta Media. So check out our social media and we'll let you know you can win a whole um, pack of books, including the, I think the Zulu name, Zulu names will be in there, the Roberts Bird Guide, a whole lot of books. So that'll be going out next, or going out this week, sorry, this is being recorded. It'll be going out this week. So check that out from Jakarta Media. So we're going to chat a little bit about 
birding on the sapphire coast now the reason that i decided this would be a really great topic for this episode firstly that we are recording at the lazy moose and uh the meal is looking really good i think our mouths are starting to water here but the the lazy moose is situated in the heart of the sapphire coast um you know area but also this is where the birding life started the birding life started in a mamzentoti in the sapphire coast and we just thought it's a great opportunity to celebrate the roots of where the birding life started this is why we got blessing as part of it um also tyron and if you're not as aware of where the sapphire coast is firstly this is a south african podcast so we brought uh, the sapphire coast is in south africa it's in the province of kwazulu natal and it extends from athlone park in the north to clan style in the south and this is a magnificent stretch of coast which is about 40 kilometers of stunning beaches and lust coastal forests. This is an amazing, amazing spot. So the amount of birds we've seen is amazing. So what we're going to do is we're going to take you on a bit of a virtual trip. Because of time, we can't go into lots of detail, but we've got some stuff coming out blessing, some videos we are coming out quite soon. Um, but we're going to go from the north side, and we're going to head down to the, the south side. And we're going to give you a bit of a taste of the birds that can be seen in the Sapphire Coast area. And we hope that you're going to come down and visit and yeah you're going to come come check out the birds we have to offer so let's start one of the most northerly um, places we've got is uh, baba vanga and bambuka nature reserve now these are two really great nature reserves they are situated in the Southgate industrial park i don't have they're open at the moment with the the covid levels now but you you do need to get permission to go in there uh, you need to get permission to go in and see them um, you'll sign under security, which is good because it's 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 really safe. Let's start with the Baba Vanga. It's forest, wetlands. It's just there's also a small patch of grassland, and there are three. Um, there are also three hides there, which are great for photography. So, what have your what have your guys' experiences been with um, Baba Vanga? Yeah, um, one of my experiences that I can remember is in summer. It's obviously it gets light very early, so I actually went to Baba Vanga before work the one day, and I saw absolutely not not as much as I normally see. And I was just sitting in the hard and I was about to go and then I thought, no, I'm going to stay here just a little bit longer. And I was like almost falling asleep and all of a sudden an open bull stalk landed right in front of me at the hard. And it was, I think it was the first out of range bird I had seen that, that I had to log a report for. So it was, it was quite amazing. I took some nice photos of it and I put it on Facebook and that and then everyone was saying, gee, that's like a really good find so that that really made my day and then work wasn't that bad that day after that i think there's, there's that middle hard and i'm always i always like going to the middle hard i find the other hards aren't as good for photography um i don't know which hard which hard were you in i think it was the one at the end yeah so i was in the, the middle hard i like because the middle hard is it's a nice hard for photography i find you get the the little malachite kingfishers come in there like right up in front of you the black crake i mean they, they pop out they come right out in the open and it's, I, I like that little height. It's a really great height for photography. You can just sit there for hours and hours and hours and the birds, you know, get accustomed to you and the weavers build their nests. And it's, 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 it's a nice little spot. You know, I've never seen a rarity there as such, but, you know, it's, it's always a good spot for quality birding. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, my experience um, would be, I remember there was this family from Joe Beck and they wanted to see the black-throated wattle eye. And um, it had taken me the whole two days, you know, to try and locate it at uh, at Amanzimitoti Bird Sanctuary. Then I decided, you know what, let me go maybe try Mbagovango um, to see if we can get one. Uh, very interestingly, you know, when we arrived there, 
the first thing that I had calling was the birth rotator wattle eye. So we quickly went into the bushes, look for it, and the guy wanted to see it. And uh, we were very lucky that, you know, when we arrived, you know, the first bird that we saw was a, a black-throated wattle eye. So, yeah, we managed to find it there. And if I remember correctly, I think there's also um, there's also crowned eagle that nests there. If I if I if I know if I remember, I don't know if they still nest there, but I know they did nest there before. Do you, do you know about that blessing? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's that's quite correct. That's quite correct. Yeah. And it, it's a good spot. I think the nice thing is for those, especially South Africans, I know we talk about. It's a nice, safe spot. You can walk around with your equipment, and it's it's quite safe. And it's always a nice day of birding. Um, there goes our lights. <laughs> it's not there. So it's always a great day of birding. And then Vambuka is also within the um, the Southgate Industrial Park. Um, it's, it's a spot I haven't explored as much. Um, I think the highlight for me there was myself and Tyron there one day. We went late one afternoon and we decided to, to check the place out. We walked around the whole place, spent you know quite a bit of time there. And I know one of the birds that, you know, the highlight for us was was a small uh, little flock of green twin spot. And it was, they're just like sitting on the path in front of us. And they were quite relaxed. It was, it's, it's a really great spot. Now, you know, going over the records, um, is a, a legend in the birding community, birding community, Jenny knows them well, Barry Swaddle. And the birds, here, they've seen the place. They've seen Chorister Robin chats there over the years. And they've seen amazing birds in the place. And I think it's one of those spots, I think especially in winter, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, you know, I really want to go and explore it a lot more. I don't know what your thoughts on Tyron. You've probably got a bit more experience in blessing on Bambuka. Well, we still got to work out if white-browed robin chats occurs there. Because Adam thinks he, he heard it there. Um, it would be out of range according to, to Sabab and all the field guides and that. But you said that Barry has definitely confirmed that he's seen it there. So I think after this lockdown ends, we need to really make an effort to see if we can find it there. That would be a good bird for the greater Durban area. So yeah, those are two good spots. Um, let's go, let's head down. This is we're gonna head down to Blessing's second home now, <laughs> the Amams and Toddy Bird Sanctuary. And let me just quantify qualify this first. It's not a place where there's birds in cages and that type of thing. Um, they wanted to do that. We didn't. We made sure that didn't happen. But it's a really great little spot. And let me just say the 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 Bird Sanctuary is one of those places that there that I'll say this. You don't need to say this, I'll say it, Blessing because you work for them, <laughs> is that it has its problems. You know, it's not, the, the, oftentimes there's problems with the water quality. There's, there's, there's been many problems there. The good thing is the, they put fences around, so it's a lot safer now. But something about the bird sanctuary is that it always ends up producing nice birds, and it's a good spot for birds. So tell us a little bit about what birds have you seen at the bird sanctuary and that type of thing. Uh, this is... Um a place that I would like to call as a bird sanctuary because some people say it's a bird park, but I prefer to call it a bird sanctuary. Uh, it's about six hectares of land that uh, is within this residential area, uh, posting itself with plus minus 150 species of birds. It's, 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 it's an area that is uh, very rich in, in, in bird life. Um, just, uh, we, we're in March now. Uh, I know around about this time, uh, going into April, May, we are expecting to see the uh, mangroves, kingfisher that will come from um, uh, the Eastern Cape going up Zululand. It always come and spend about a few weeks there and then move off to, 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 to the north. Uh, also, we are also expecting uh, the spotted ground thrush 
yeah that uh, not even one about two or three of them that come and spend their time there during a uh, winter season so it's it's a it's a small space uh, that is posting itself with such interesting birds uh, so yeah it, it worth, it's worthwhile you know for the place to be visited I, th I think with the uh, mangrove kingfisher you're talking about that is I was a uh, quite a new birder and I went there and I, I heard a bird and, I'm, and, and I actually remember finding my friend Mark Titley in Johannesburg and I said I'm sure I've heard a mangrove kingfisher and I knew the, uh, uh, the call matched up but I, was, I, was, I wasn't confident enough to put on my list yet because I thought no there can't be a mangrove kingfisher here. A year later at the same time of the year a mangrove kingfisher pitched up and then the thing the next year it pitched up i don't know if it pitched up last year because obviously it was the lockdown and everything but but i mean I know at least for three years in a row it's been at the bird park and that's a really awesome bird i mean tyron you two things you say about this you've said to me before you think it's one of the most accessible places around to get the spotted ground thrush you've said that to me before and the second thing you've also spoken about the fact that it's it's a it's one of the better places for photography so don't you just comments around those two sites yeah because it's not so big and it's it's like semi-forest and semi-open. The birds you see are not far away. So I often go there without binoculars and only take my camera because you can use your camera as binoculars because the birds are, are fairly close. It's probably also one of the most accessible places to see half-collared kingfisher because there's normally a pair of them always there. They're close to you. So often, even on Facebook, when I see uh, posts about half-collared kingfisher, so many of them are from the Manzantoni Bird Sanctuary. It's where people are getting are getting their laughters from yeah it's one of those spots and i mean it's it's amazing you know it's there's there's i think there's at any time there's always something that's worth seeing there almost any time there's always something and it's it's amazing with all the 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 challenges that it has it's just an amazing spot to bird so let's 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 carry on heading a bit south we as like we talk about this, these places for a long time but time is not on our side the Mamzen toti lagoon so i'll ask you to chat about this tower it's been a great spot i know it's a good spot for bartel godwitz over the years and it's it's a great spot i mean there's been a lot of really cool birds and i remember last year um someone got a, a the, the black heron there and I, was, I remember we were like rushed down there managed to get it guys were rushing from all over durban when they got there the bird had gone so tell us you know some of the birds you've seen over the year you've been there quite a, you've been there quite a lot of times and just tell us a little bit about the the lagoon yeah speaking of the bartel godwitz i was actually quite surprised i'm sure people must have seen it in the past but i noticed that i was the first one to actually atlas it in the pentad so i'm quite quite proud of that that i added a new bird to the manzantoti pentad list uh yeah you don't get lots of numbers of birds there but the amount of species you get are quite high so you you don't get hundreds of terns but you get a good variety of them uh, we've seen lesser crested for example you get normally every year in summer uh gray gray plover um i've quite cross but i've seen i've seen that people have got black stalk there and uh, <laughs> that, uh, while while we've been birding here and not notified us because that's a bird i haven't yet seen in kzn so would have liked to see that there but yeah it has produced a lot of decent decent birds yeah it's, it's quite accessible and again it's it's a, it's a great spot always nice birds around there um there's also a nice little place to grab some food in that there so it's a nice spot good spot for photography um but let me let me kind of just jump down a little bit more we got another place which i which for me personally in terms of the the south coast and kzn i've been a whole lot of places and in my Personal opinion, the Olovo River Mouth is one of the best places to see to see beach birds in, in KZN. Um, firstly, I know some people say, oh, but Mgeni River Mouth and that. Let me say, you got Mgeni River Mouth, there's just tons of rubbish flowing down in that. This place is normally clean. 
it's safe it's accessible a nice size turn roost in that there so it's it's an awesome spot i mean again we've Bartel Godridge, you've seen quite a few birds there. I think Tyron again, the just the the Lobo, the Lobo uh, River Mouth, uh, the Estuary. What what are some things that you've seen? It's it's a great spot. Yeah, last um, last year during spring, we managed to get Terex Sandpiper, Greater Sand uh, Greater Sand Plover, which I've been looking quite extensively this year for, but I haven't managed to see it. Uh, there's always sandling there in spring. Ruddy turn sand. What confuses me is where these birds go in summer because I always see them arrive in spring, October, November, and then they seem to disappear in summer. So if someone could explain that to me, it would be nice. <laughs> but yeah, it's produced a lot of good birds. Uh, osprey, there's always osprey around the, the river mouth there, even in winter. I've seen them every year in winter, so that's that's quite interesting. I think what's quite interesting though is, Tyron, you're speaking about the birds, and this is just on a side note, is I actually, I've got the bird, um, the bird prey app on my phone. And what's interesting, the, the BirdPro app takes the, the data from SABAP. And what I found quite fascinating was that sandering, from about January, there's no records down the side of things. We go on to actually go on to the, which takes, takes the data from, from SABAP. From January, the sanderings, you know, they started, they, you can get them, I think they're a little bit more further up north, but they're not down here. It's interesting because I was, you know, as soon as lockdown finished, I was like, I'm going to go find a sandering and I couldn't find them. And it's interesting that the, the that's how the the, the the bird pro reflects that. Yeah, I've been looking for ruddy turnstone sandling, nothing this year yet. Another interesting uh, species that you will find there, which is a guaranteed spot for African black uh, oyster catcher. Yeah, yeah, they're all over there in numbers. So yeah, it's, 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 one, it's one of those areas that is very interesting to visit. Well, that, that's actually a good point, Blessing. It's probably... I mean, years ago, you wouldn't find black oyster catcher here. Now you can see 20 at a time at the Lovo River Mouth. It's an excellent place to see them. I think Toche as a whole, in terms of, of black oyster catcher, it's, it's, it's a great spot for it. If you're looking for that bird, you know, come down here. We will, you, you, it's, they are around. Um, not that I've seen one this year yet. Let me just say that, but they are around. Mamsadi um, Sports Cup Trail. We don't have a lot of time on this place here, but it's a really great spot. It winds along the Mamsadi River. Again, relatively safe. A good spot for scaly throat honey guide. You kind of there's a spot down there. You quite often hear them calling there. Um, also, I've seen spotted ground thrush right near the cricket nets, which is right in the open. And I know Tyron last year you got the you got the the the, the village indigo bird there, and you know that was you shared a little bit about that. Uh, yes, this year I think actually. This year. Um, yeah. Uh, I found it in an area where there are always see lots of red-billed firefinch, and obviously, it is the, the parasites red-billed firefinch's nests. And every time I went there, I actually saw it. It just sits on the top of the tree, and it calls constantly. And I had a look at my my app on my phone, and and it actually mentions that they'll defend their territory, calling from a perch on a on a tree high up. So that's what it was obviously doing. And a number of people contacted me to to know where it was so there's quite a bit of interest in it and have you have you found the, the those trails there oh they're very good uh, actually i have a story um one day i had to go and fetch my boss um she was having a meeting at the civic center hall and when i got there uh, she was still busy at the meeting and i decided you know what let me go to elanda wild you know, to see if uh, I may uh, be lucky to see the uh, the green twin spot. You know, I drove uh, into Lander Wild. When I got there, the first call that I had was of uh, the green twin spot. And I started looking, but 
what I did, I first, you know, went on my app you know, to confirm if the caller was hearing was really the green tin spot. And, you know, I confirmed it. It was a green tin spot. Then I started looking around and where there were these two green twin spots, you know, uh, you know, hopping around, you know, uh, feeding on, 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 the, on the grasses. So I was very excited. But it's one of those spots where you will also find the purple banded uh, sunbird and and uh, also the uh, black cuckoo shrike uh, but i've only seen uh, the female i've never seen the male of uh, cuckoo shrike there but uh, very interesting a mountain oh. wagtail as well yeah that's what yeah. i said a lot of the upcountry visitors are looking for mountain wagtail tochi's a great spot i mean bird park they're almost guaranteed they're not the bird park they up also black duck and i just interesting that the black duck seem to have moved a little bit they seem to have moved from the river to the birth Sanctuary. I don't know if that's to do with the, the fact there's a whole lot of that water hyacinth on the, on the covering. I don't know if that's to do with that, but they seem to have, have moved from the, the river to the bird park. Yes. Um, for the last uh, couple of three weeks, uh, yeah, uh, uh, the African black duck have been spotted at the bird park. And then just, you know, just, just a story I remember. I think, I don't know if you were on the walk, Tyron, when we had the Wagtail Festival at the same place. Um, they were... You know, guys walk around and they're looking at raptors, looking at raptors. The guys are like, oh, YBK, YBK. You know, you live in K's and every every raptor is YBK. And uh, Hank Nell was with the guys and the, one of the birds, the guy said, oh, it's a YBK. He said, no, no, look carefully. And it was actually it was actually a Wahlberg's eagle. So it was interesting how, you know, just taking, there's there's a lot there. So um, we nearly we nearly finished. Um, but another really great spot is the Birchall's Kukul Eco Trail. And it's one of those spots that, what's interesting is there's a lot of, um, alien vegetation. Other guys are fighting that at the moment. It winds along the um, Lobo River, but it's a really cool spot. I remember a couple of years ago, I went birding there and I saw a bee eater. There's a whole lot of little beaters there, but I saw this bee eater, and it was a white fronted beater. And it's a really, it's it's a common bird there. I mean, it's they're on the trails here all the time. Um, the guy there, Ken, there says he can even see, even knows where they, he knows where they, where they, where they have a nest there. But it's a really really great spot i mean it's it's a good morning out a nice walk out so i know Tyron, you've walked the birchall's um kukul eco trail quite a bit yes no it's a place i go to often um one of the special memories i have of it is it's the place i first saw african finfoot i know adam's a bit jealous about that because he hasn't seen one there uh, that was i must say i wasn't the person to discover it first uh, uh one of our famous local birders hilda stain uh, i think saw it a week before me uh, yeah, but the, the other thing that's amazing about the Birchall's Kukul Eco Trail, being in, in Ilovo, uh, you go there in the evening, and I can tell you it's amazing. You hear more fiery neck nightjars there than you do in a game reserve at night. It's, it's absolutely amazing. I just call from every single direction. I think that's, that's quite amazing. And then, of course, the other side of the river, Adam can maybe tell you what he discovered there in the beginning of the year. So yeah, it's a great spot on the other side there. And um, what we, you know, there's there's the landfill and landfills. I think you know you're a birder when you when when an outing can be to a landfill site and or a sewage work. <laughs> but the landfill was there was white stalk there, and it's really it's it's a great bird. I mean, it's not a a rarity or something. But it's a nice bird to see. Um, there's also Tyron got the um, bronzewing corsa, which was they got. You can hear that on the previous episode or the last birding um, live show. Um, we've got corn crack there. I remember we saw it. I actually phoned Jenny about the first time I saw it. And we saw we we it, it, we kind of flew out when the car was driving through, and we basically threw the 
looking at the features we worked at it was a corn crack yeah now what i was also alluding to adam was the fact that you got the european nightjar there which is oh, a yeah, great great yeah. bird to see so close to civilization basically yeah it was a really awesome really 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 awesome bird but yeah again just heading a bit south it's farmlands um, again you have to get permission to go there but a great spot and just up the road from here and this is the last place we're going to get to talk about um the, uh, just up the road from here is a place called empicini now this is one of those spots that really has got amazing birds I and mean, it's uh nice Tereco there uh or another good spot for scaly throat honey guard your mountain um wagtail so blessing you know that spot quite tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about empicini it's just up the road from um, lazy moose so blessing tell us about empicini well um yeah no i regard the empicini as one of the most beautiful uh, reserves that you would find around uh, deben actually last year you know i could not believe my eyes when i saw this uh, spotted ground thrush about uh, three of them in one spot you know which was uh, very cool so i mean Definitely show if you're there um, and you want to see uh, the scurly throated honey guide. Always there. Uh, half colored kingfisher, always there. And what is interesting, while you were mentioning the, uh, the, the turaco, um, uh, what is this turaco? Oh, nice not turaco, yes. That's, it's very strange that it's, it's the southernmost part uh, uh, place where you would find it. On the other side of Umkomas River, I've never seen it. You know, so it's one of those areas, you know, you go there, you will be blown away. Northern side. Yeah. I mean, sorry, northern side. Yeah, yeah sorry, sorry. Northernmost. Northernmost. Yes. Coastal. Yeah. Coastal. Uh, which is very interesting. You know, why you don't find it on the other side of the river? I don't know. You know, I've always had that question, you know, and uh, nobody has given me an answer. You know, but it's, it's, it's a very interesting uh, place uh, to visit. A little bit of a grassland, the forest. And also the, the, the wetland at the bottom as you come into the into Umdoni. Uh, very interesting. Just one more thing, and I just want to just touch on this quickly. I don't really, we're not going to go too much into this, but if we're in Unkamaznas, um, if you head inland a bit, there's um, some stunning, stunning areas near Roseneath and going into the valley. It's one of the best spots around for orange-breasted, gorgeous, gray-headed, and olive bush rock. You know, one of the first birds, and I've proved it many times, one of the first birds you're going to hear in the day is going to be a gorgeous bushrock. There's tons of them in the valley. And if you're looking to see a gorgeous bushrock, head down into the Umkamas Valley down here. Really stunning birds. Also a great place for raptors, Warburgs, Lana Falcon, Warburgs Eagle, Lana Falcon, Marshall Eagle, European Honey Buzzard. There are some amazing spots around here. And I really encourage you to come down. If you want to come down and you're looking for someone to show you around, you know, give us a message. Myself, Blessing, Tyron, we'd love to show you some of the great spots we haven't even touched on all the spots. We haven't even spoken about um, Emnini Dam. Mm. We haven't spoken about... Um, there's so many other spots we have not even touched on. But it's a really great spot. I think when we had a, when we had a look, we've, there's been... You know, an average year, you, if you do a good birding, you'll get about 250-odd species in in this area. And it's a great spot for birding. So, yeah. So, I don't know if you want to just... If there's anything else you want to add about, about uh, Sapphire's birding before we finish off blessing. Um, okay. On your list that you mentioned, you know, for Umkomase Valley, I need to add on the buff spotted fluff tail, you know, right at the bottom there by the river. Yeah, you do get it there. So it's, it's an interesting area. Um, I mean, most of these areas, like the Butchers, Kukoliko Trail, like the Mkomazi, these are very safe areas, you know. Um, we've been building them, we've never had issues. 
So yeah, we would encourage people to come and visit these places. Anything just to end? Yes, I'd just like to mention red-headed quailers, one of the best places in South Africa to see them. People all over the coast, I get them in their gardens, at feeders, but you can also see them wild by reeds, uh, by the lagoons and by ponds and that. So it's an excellent area for them. Just to close off, you know, that's just to wrap it up. You know, if, I, if, we, if we entered a full protocol car, which I always think is a good measure, you know, it's, it's always, you know, on a, if, you do, if you go and bird it, a, a card properly, to get a hundred species over the five days is easy. With no, no, without even doing any hard work, you'll get over a hundred species. If you do a proper protocol card in, um, in this area, and it's a great spot to come birding, um, affordable accommodation, great places to eat like the lazy moose. It's a great spot, a um, lot of safe spots to go. And I encourage you, come, come give us a visit and check us out. So thanks everyone for listening today. This has been episode number 50. Um, once again, just thanks to Outliers Coffee Roasters for the coffee. Um, I know you can see our coffee cups finished. We're going to get some more coffee now and get some breakfast. And just thank you for everyone for your support over the last year or so. It's been great doing this journey with you guys. And just stay tuned. We've got some great stuff coming up. And yeah, so we will speak. We'll chat again on the next episode. We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Birding Life project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website www.thebirdinglife.com and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website, including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders and exciting birds out there do not forget to follow the birding life on instagram and facebook we really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts be sure to check out bird Lasser and download the app on either ios or android and keep a life list while playing your part in social conservation as well as Sorovsky optic one of the world's leading producers of binoculars monoculars and spotting scopes so until next time, be blessed and happy birding.